Well, I got some new glasses, and I was coming to the church, and just the jury was out as to what, do I even like these glasses or not? And somebody called me Harry Potter this morning, and, <laughs> and uh, then somebody said, well, you look much younger and more intelligent, and that really helped. Uh, so... Uh, That was loving, and I appreciate that. As we are beginning this series on love today, love does, it will take us to the Sunday right before Thanksgiving. So we are talking about several Sundays coming up that we are talking about love. And and Dusty has mentioned this book to you. I've mentioned it to you over these last uh, few weeks. We would encourage you to pick up one of these books. It's written by a fellow named Bob Goff, and we are making it available to you for just $6. And that is a deal. Tim had told me that he had seen it in the bookstores for as high as $16. So that's quite a discount for you. Uh, And I I mentioned to you that I I think it's one of those books that you'll enjoy reading it. In fact, I was reading a portion of it to my family this last week as we were all together together. And every one of us, I think, had tears running down our face because we were laughing so hard over what we had just uh, heard. It's, it's an enjoyable book. It is a challenging book, probably one that you would want to buy more copies of and give to your, your friends or family members around Christmas time. Let me mention to you, too, uh, a special day that we have coming up in this series. It's October 18th. And I would encourage you to write this down on your calendar and be aware of what's going to be going on that day because it will be a day unlike any day, I think, that we have had in the history of our church. We will have one service at 8 o'clock a.m. Only one service that day at 8 o'clock a.m. You're saying, why so early? Well, we're going to gather, we're going to sing, we're going to have some time of worship, a short sermon that day. Uh, (laughs) You might like that. And then we're going to dismiss around 8.45, and we are going to encourage you to go out into the community and show love in some way. And we're going to have some service projects that that we're going to make available to you. And we're just going to encourage you, uh, either as a family, it will depend on the the service project itself. Uh, Maybe you would tackle a service project as a family or as a small group. Uh, We'll make details more known to you about that over these next few weeks, how that is going to look. But we do need your help in in, uh, one way, and that is we... We need a lot of service projects for that particular day. And so if you've got a neighbor, particularly if you've got an, uh, a widow lady neighbor, or a single lady neighbor, or someone who just could use some, some good help, uh, maybe uh, it's some yard work that would need done, or some windows that would need washed, would you talk to them? and ask them if on this Sunday we could send a group to their house to wash their windows or to do a service project in their yard. Maybe it's uh, trimming some hedge or, 
or raking some leaves. We're not sure if the leaves are going to be fallen by that time or not. But, but if you see some work that needs done at your neighbor's house, talk to them and then come with that service project written down and give to either Tim or I. And uh, we will tra- if we can't get to it on the 18th of October, then we've got several weeks yet uh, after that, um, between then and Thanksgiving, that we will try to uh, get somebody there to do that service project. And, and you know, love doesn't, love being shown doesn't end on the Sunday before Thanksgiving either. I mean, these, these service projects could go on and on. Because we're encouraging you to show love to your neighbor. That's what this, this series is all about. We are encouraging you not to just talk about love, but to actually be active in showing that love to other people. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that my daughter Rebecca became engaged to a young man named Luke, and we are very happy about that. Luke is one of those kinds of people that you just can't help but like him. And I know that we're kind of biased towards him, but I really do think he's one of those kinds of people. One of the reasons that you would like him is that he's such a loving person. And uh, my mom, uh, who is 87 years old, just thinks Luke has hung the moon. And she has teasingly told my daughter Rebecca, if you don't marry him, I'm going to marry him. (laughs) Now, probably Luke would have something to say about that. But uh, that tells you how much my mom thinks of Luke, how much she likes him, and she rightfully should, because he has been very, very kind to her. He lives in Joplin. He's still a student at at Ozark, and I couldn't tell you the number of times that he's gone over to my mom's house just to be kind to her and show love towards her. He's watered her flowers. He's pulled weeds out of her flower bed. He's he's brought his life group, a, a group of young men uh, there at the college, he's brought them over last fall and they rake the leaves in her yard and, and just all kinds of acts of love that he has shown to my mother. I, I remember one day, and I couldn't believe this, that he, he was taking the time to do it. He went to Chick-fil-A and he bought lunch for the two of them and he goes and sits at her table and they eat lunch together. Do you think my mom liked that? My, oh my. She's telling me, you know, he's coming and he's eating lunch with me. Like, you know, when are you going to do that? Uh, (laughs) So he really is a a special guy. and, And the day that he proposed to my daughter, Rebecca, was just amazing. And in fact, he made my proposal to Cindy just downright embarrassing. Uh and Cindy loves to tell this story. You don't need to tell, ask her to tell the story to you. I'll tell it because I'll tell it more accurately than she'll tell it. Uh, but it really, my, my proposal to her was pretty pathetic. Uh, we were sitting in, in her mom and dad's front room uh, in a, a late evening. It was uh, probably... Uh, a month or a little more than a month before Christmas, and I said to her, I I was thinking about getting you a ring for Christmas. And she said, is that a proposal? (laughs) 
<laughs> I said, yeah, I, yeah, it is. And that was it. I mean, it was pathetic. It was, it was embarrassing as I listened. And ahead of time, I learned what Luke was going to be doing with, with Rebecca. He, on a Saturday, a few Saturdays ago, he got up early. He drove three hours to Stillwater and uh, got there in time to help awaken Rebecca and uh, inform her that he had already talked with the staff. He had arranged there with the church staff at, at Stillwater that she was to be off on Sunday and he, she was going to be with him. And so you know, she's excited. She actually knew what was going to happen, but she, did, she had no idea when it was going to happen as these weeks went by, and she didn't know how it was going to happen, so she knew this was the day. And uh, so they take a ride in, to, to our house, and they're there for lunch. And, and uh, Luke had arranged already for uh, Abby and her family to come and be with us for lunch, and it was a great time. We enjoyed lunch with them, had about three hours with them, and uh, then they left our place, and they headed towards Lamar, where they jumped into an airplane. And uh, Luke's uncle, who is a pilot, took them on a joyride uh, for a while. Uh, their family owns a farm over north of Lamar, and they flew over the farm and just had a good time and flew on to Joplin Airport and uh, got out of the plane and jumped on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle that was absolutely gorgeous. And they had some fun on that motorcycle and they ended up at a place where he sits her down at a table that he has made for her and he gets on the piano and he starts playing and singing love songs to her. I'm going, good grief. <laughs> and that's not all. I mean, he's singing to her and serenading her and she's crying and and then they leave back on that motorcycle and they go to this secluded place where they have been a few times before and he proposes to her as the sun goes down. I think I even have a picture. He had somebody in the woods with a camera taking a picture. This is him on his knee proposing to my daughter Rebecca. And... uh, you know, it was a, a, a great moment for her. And then fireworks went off. And then they end up back at his mom and dad's house. And we are there, and Abby and, and her family are there, and we enjoy a night of celebration and a late meal together. And I asked Matt, his dad, I said, Did when you proposed to Katie, did you have all of this big day, hoopla kind of thing planned out? And he says, no, I proposed to her at McDonald's. <laughs> so that made me feel a whole lot better. Love does. Let that sink in for a moment. What What's that mean to you? Love does. Love is action-packed. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that love always has to be big and elaborate like Luke's proposal was. Sometimes love is just a small thing. Something 
thoughtful, something considerate. A few weeks ago, I was getting gas at a station there in Pittsburgh. We were coming back from Cindy's folks' house and late at night, and, and that particular night, the, the bugs were terrible, and our windshield was just covered with the remains of those bugs that had hit us on the, on, uh, on the road. And so as the gas is, is being put into the car, I get a squeegee and I s- start working on my windshield, trying to clean it up. And, and uh, as I'm finishing, I'm looking across the uh, parking lot there. There's a lady who's trying to clean her windshield that's full of bugs too. And she was an older lady, and she was working on an SUV windshield, and she was really struggling to reach even to the halfway point of that windshield. But she was working on it, and the Lord prompted me to go and help her. And it was very clear to me that that's, the Lord was pushing me towards that. And so I walked over towards her with my squeegee and, and uh, she sees me coming and she, I could see the look on her face, the bewilderment uh, on her face because a strange man is walking right towards her late at night. And uh, I hold my squeegee up and I said, can I help you? And, and the look on her face just completely changed from a look of bewilderment to a look of, like acceptance and, and surprise and joy. And, and she said, well, yeah. And so I went to work on the other side of her windshield and I cleaned it up and she just couldn't thank me enough. And she was happy and I was happy and I, had, I was especially pleased that I had honored God there, that I had obeyed His prompting. And it was just a, a, a nice moment For both of us, really. Love does. And it was just a little thing. Just the washing of the windshield. But I think it did touch her. A couple of weeks ago, Cindy was sick with some kind of bug. And she had missed work on Monday. And there were a few times through the course of the day that I, I think the Lord was prompting me, you should call your wife and check on her. And I was busy and uh, staff meeting and just busyness, and I didn't take the time to stop and call her and check on her. And uh, it's afterwards, kind of crazy, isn't it, that I would take time to help a complete stranger? and not take the time to check on my wife and how she was feeling that day. And she did have something to say to me later that day about that. She said, you you didn't even call and check on me today. I could have died today and you wouldn't have known it until you got home. (laughs) So the next day, do you think I called her? Yeah, several times I called her. How are you doing? To a point that she was tired of hearing from me. Love does. Let me read to you from this book that Bob Goff has written. These are just some of the introductory 
remarks, he says it becomes clear that we need to stop plotting the course and instead just get to the do part of faith. That's because love is never stationary. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Simply put, love does. Aren't you glad that God didn't just think about saving us? Oh, He had all kinds of of plans. He had all kinds of forethought into this redemption plan. But thankfully, there came came to a point where He looked to His Son and He said, Go! They need you! Go down there and help them out! It, 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 It changed from being a plan to an actuality. It changed from something that was here to something that was out there. It was... It was real. That very plan that he had since before time began, and what the prophets had written about in great detail, it happened. God gave His Son, and Jesus left the splendor of heaven to become one of us. Love does. And that's the greatest illustration of of all, that God would give His Son, and Jesus would come. Every week in this series, I want to take one story from the life of Jesus that emphasizes this very basic point that love does. And Luke chapter 10 is where we are at today. It's a very familiar passage to many of you. I will begin with verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put them put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy towards him. And then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. 
Something that became very apparent to me as I was reading this passage, and it's a familiar passage to me. I've read it hundreds of times through my life, and you have, you have read it, many of you as well. You've heard sermons on it. But one thing that is notable is all three men who came to him, and uh, they looked upon him, they saw him. It wasn't like the Samaritan was the only one who saw him. That the priest and the Levite, they were were gawking and they missed seeing him on the side of the road. No, not at all. They each one saw him. The priest saw him and passed him by. The Levite came and from the scripture in the original language, it seems that he did more than just look at him. It seems that he walked over and, and looked closely at him. And then he too passed on by, and then the Samaritan came and saw him. He didn't pass him by. Now, I don't know what the excuses were of the other two fellas. I'm sure in their own minds they had good excuses. They were busy, they were were having people to see, and, and they had places to go to. Maybe they didn't want to get their hands dirty, they didn't want to get blood on their tunic. I'm not quite sure what their excuses might have been. But one thing we know for sure, Jesus, in his mind, their excuses were not valid. The Samaritan was the third guy to come along that day. And he saw the man, and the text says that he had compassion on him. Now, the word compassion means to be moved in the inward parts, right here. In other words, as he laid eyes on the injured man, he felt it in his stomach, he felt it all the way down to his splunk knock. You say, what? That's the Greek word. Splunkna. And it's, it's, let, me, let me read to you about that word from Kenny Bowles. He says, imagine that you just received a tragic phone call. Or imagine that you happen to come suddenly upon some pathetic soul who is suffering horribly from an injury. You feel pity and compassion, of course. But where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your brain? Do you feel it uh, in your hands? Or do you feel it in the pit of your spontna? For this reason, the Greeks identified tender mercy with the area of the human anatomy called Splunkna, it's more than just feeling sorry for someone or having pity for them. Instead, you see the need or you hear of the need and you are moved so deeply that it moves you to action to help that person. And interestingly, this is the word that is used more than any other word in the New Testament to describe Jesus as He was here upon the earth. He was compassionate towards people. He he lived love. He didn't just talk about love. He lived love. He would see a need and He would be moved to meet that need. The Samaritan in this story is just like Jesus. 
He stopped and helped the man with his wounds. He poured oil and wine on the man, which would have been his best attempt to apply medicine. He bandaged him up. He then put him on his donkey and carried him off to to the nearest inn. And, And he didn't just leave him there. He stayed overnight giving care to him through the night. And then he gave money to the innkeeper for the expenses of the night. And he says, here's some extra. If he needs to stay for the next few nights, here this will cover the cost. And I'll tell you what, I'll be back, and if, if the cost exceeds what I've given to you, I'll pay you more. Wow. <laughs> Love does. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 from the New International Version, says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has not pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. I like how the New Living Translation treats verse 18. It says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Again, love does. Love responds to a person's needs. Love reaches out. Love gives. Love takes time. Love sacrifices. Love is active. It is not passive. Love is more than words. So let me ask you, who might God be leading you to love? Who might He be opening your eyes to see? I wonder, who who might He bring into your path this week that you can show love to someone? Maybe it's something that will be planned out. Something that you'll think about ahead of time. I want to show love to this person in this particular way. Or maybe it will be something just completely spontaneous. As you're living your life this week, going along your way, He'll put somebody in your path and He'll open your eyes to a need that they might have. Will we respond? Will we obey His prompting? That's what this whole series will be about over these weeks to come. It's going to be challenging us to open our eyes and our ears and to become a loving person who's more active than just passive in our love. Maybe it'll be a small thing like washing a windshield for somebody. Maybe it'll be something... A little bigger than that. Maybe it'll be cooking a meal for someone who is sick. Maybe it will be visiting someone who's in the nursing home or the hospital. Maybe it'll be raking leaves for somebody this fall or taking somebody out to eat. Maybe it'll be helping somebody on a car repair. Just let God lead you. Let Him move you towards loving your neighbor. And you know, an act of love can forever impact someone. You say, really? Yeah, it can forever impact somebody. I, I, met, I meet with a group of four other guys on a weekly basis and we study the Word of God together and we memorize Scripture 
together and we sharpen one another in the Lord. And here just recently, I shared a story with them and I figured they had heard me share it before and all four of them acted like they hadn't heard it before at all. So I thought, you know, maybe I just need to share that again. I know I've told it here uh, through the years, a time or two of preaching, but they hadn't heard it. Maybe some of you haven't heard it. Cindy and I were on vacation. We had gone to Minnesota, and we were up on the, the northern border, and it was Saturday, and, and we decided we're going to, just just for the sake of saying we were in Canada, let's cross the border and let's spend the night in Canada. And that's what we did on a Saturday night. And so Sunday morning's coming, and I'm looking in the phone book as we're in the motel that night as to where we're going to go to church the next morning. And so I found, uh, and this is long enough ago, 20-some years ago, this happened. And so, you know, I couldn't look on my phone or uh, the web. You look in the phone book, in the yellow pages. And so I found a, a free Methodist church. And we had some friends who had come from the free Methodist church, and they had talked highly of their experience there. And uh, so I settled this... This is where we are going to go tomorrow morning when church time. And so we, uh, we actually got in the car and we, we drove to uh, find it on Saturday night so we'd know where we were going and we, we found the church times on the, on the sign. And so church, church time Sunday morning, we were there. Just arrived a few minutes early before church, not early, not 30 minutes early, maybe three or four minutes early before church time. Uh, enough time that we got a bulletin. They greeted us kindly at the door, gave us a bulletin for the morning, and, and it was friendly enough, and we found our seat about three-quarters of the way back on the aisle, the outside aisle. It had two sections. And it was a pretty small church, but... Uh, maybe 100, 150 people there, and we're sitting three-quarters of the way back on the aisle outside row. And they sing several songs, and things are going well. Uh, it's a nice service. And then they had a greet time. Okay, and, and so we turn around, and, and we shake the hands of the people behind us, and uh, they say, where are you from? Well, we're from Fort Scott, Kansas, south of Kansas City, about an hour and a half. And man, their faces lit up. And come to find, they had gone to college up in Kansas City at Mid-American Nazarene. And so they knew where Fort Scott was, and they just lit up like a light bulb. It's like they, they had family here in church that morning, and and uh, they really just greeted us warmly, and we talked, and, and the singing's starting again, and we're still talking, and then we get turned around, and we start singing some more. And, and uh, about two songs later, they slip a note to us. I take the note, and I look at it. I couldn't believe it. They were inviting us into their home for lunch. And I showed it to Cindy and 
we had plans. We had plans to to do the tourist thing that afternoon and go around Thunder Bay and just see the sights. And I said, We've, we can't pass this up. And so we chucked the tourist thing and, and we said, yeah, we'll, we'll go into your home and have lunch with you. And so we followed them home after lunch or after church and we pulled up to this place that was about as plain a place as you could find. And we walked in, and it was very apparent that they were not expecting company. I mean, they, they had clutter everywhere. And uh, they, had, they had to move stuff out of the chairs for us to sit down. But I want you to know that didn't matter a bit because the love they were showing to us and the hospitality that they were giving to us was blowing us away. And they hadn't even started lunch. They had no plans for lunch and having company. They had to prepare lunch while we're there. And that was no big deal to us either. And it was plain. The lunch was about as plain as where they lived. It was... Spaghetti and canned sauce over the spaghetti. No meatballs even. But that didn't matter. And bread and butter. And we talked as they prepared lunch. And we just shared with one another. Fellowship. And that was more... 20 years ago. And I still get emotional about it when I talk about it. Because it was the love of Jesus in action. And you may not be comfortable doing that kind of thing, inviting some stranger into your home. And that's not the point of the story at all. The point of the story is when God gives to you a job to do of loving somebody, do it. Follow His prompting and it may touch their life 20 some years later. And to God be the glory. When we start loving with His kind of love, there's, there's no telling what God might do with that. He'll change you. He'll change this church. He could change the community. He could change the world. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Help us not just to be receivers of your love, but Lord, help us to be givers of your love. May love be active through us. And over these weeks ahead, may the community get a buzz in it 
as people are talking about the folks at Community Christian loving their neighbor. And may it not be about us as individuals. May it not be even about us as a church. May it all be to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray.